Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in. people online. I feel like I should leave them on, just the whole message. Let's just throw some people off. Somebody go past her streaming and be like, what is he doing? Today, the message I'm preaching is called Sign, Sealed, Delivered. Amen? Somebody say sign, sealed, delivered. I'm going to preach it like Y'all, y'all called it? Somebody called it. Somebody called it. I'm going to preach it. <laughs> Come on. Amen. Anyways. Whew. I am excited to continue our series on uh, Summer Playlist. We're talking about identity as sons and daughters of Christ. And we're talking about Knowing who we are in Christ. Amen? And the last few weeks have been amazing. The first week we talked about being invited back to a dance with the Father again. Amen? How many of you know it's incredibly important that we spend time with our Father? Okay. All right. So this Father's Day, so y'all got to give me at least one gift today. And that is the gift of responding. Okay? Don't be sitting there just looking at me. Say something up in the place. Amen? So, it's incredibly important that we get back to dancing with our Father, that intimate relationship with that Father. Amen? And there are a lot of barriers that hold us back from that, and most of it is, is built on uh, out of our own, you know, things that we think, because God, we've done this, done that, God won't accept us. But it's very evident, we talked about the story of the prodigal son, that God wants us back with him. Somebody said something to me this week, and I thought it was incredibly uh, insightful uh, to that scripture, because the, um, you know, a lot of times we read that scripture, we put ourselves in the son, in the prodigal son's position. Most of us never put ourselves in the older son's position, because, you know, we if we in the house, we think we holy, amen. And uh, and so most of us don't ever put ourselves in prison. But a lot of people, what a lot of people don't do, and what a lot of what we should be doing, is a lot of us don't put ourselves in the place of the Father. Because ultimately, what Jesus was trying to communicate is that He wants us to have the heart of the Father in that story. That no matter what son is approaching, that we as believers, because the Bible is written for us, you know what I'm saying, and, 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 and we as believers would have the heart, somebody say the heart, of the Father. So we would embrace the lost, the broken, the far from God, and we would embrace the religious. 
that's that in between, you know what I'm saying, that remnant, that people of God that follow God, amen, that don't follow religion, that don't, you know what I'm saying, we follow God, and so we'll embrace people on both sides, even though it's hard, amen. Can I just be real with y'all? Can I say something that's going to be real? I'm going to say something, Jason, that's going to be real, you know what I'm saying? Religious folk are hard to embrace, Okay. Y'all like, what's wrong with your voice? Because I just think about when I have come in contact with some religious folk, I just want to punch them in the face. Not give them an embrace. Come on, oh, got bars. But we have to learn how to embrace people far from God. Right? And listen, I say it like this, far from God. We have to learn how to embrace people who are far from God and learn how to embrace some people who have a form of God denying his power. And so uh, we talked about that and last week. We were talking about his sons and, and daughters, man. We got to trust God's plan. Somebody say trust his plan. Trust ain't easy. Yes, I say it ain't. Because it ain't easy at all. Amen. How many of you know, if you, especially trust in the Lord, if you trusted the Lord before, you know it's not a walk in the park. Amen? It ain't all gravy and biscuits all the time. Amen? Sometimes it's, you know, McDonald's. So, I'm not going to demonize McDonald's, okay? They had a chicken, uh, what was that thing? What do they call it? Chicken Big Mac with in Nicaragua. I'm trying to think it was like that. Chicken Big Mac. I said McDonald's is holding back on the people who support them most. <laughs> I'm joking. So this week we're going to sign. Somebody say sign. Seal. Delivered. Sign. Seal. Delivered. You know anything about Ben Daly? You heard it. Delivered. You need to be delivered, delivered. If I fall into that, don't get mad at me. Turn me to Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read verses 1 through 18. Got a little bit of reading. But it's good. It says this. So now the case is what? 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 I can't hear you. So now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. For the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointed of Jesus has, has liberated us from the law of sin and death. For God, achieve, who achieved? Who? For God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by what? Weakness of human nature. Oh. One translation says, weak by the flesh. <laughs> Somebody say the flesh. The law was limited by the weakness of human nature. Yet God sent us his son in human form to identify with human weakness. Ah, man, this is so full 
a rich, rich theology right here. Think about this. He says the law couldn't accomplish what it was supposed to accomplish because it was limited by human nature. But then he goes on to say, and then Jesus came in the form of human nature to recognize and, and, and re relate with our human nature. Somebody say human nature. Huh? He came. So the law was limited because of our human nature. Jesus said, I'm going to check out and see what your human nature is all about. Right? Come on now. So he identified with human weakness. I want you to hear something, okay? Everybody, is, is, there's a whole trend going on about what do you identify with? What do you identify with this and this and that? Right? Jesus identified with our human weakness. I'm going to say it one more time for the people online. Amen. He identified with us. Imagine Jesus said, oh no. There's only there's only one thing that you go that you got out me. He didn't do that. He identified he identified with us as human and in, uh, in human form to identify with our human weakness. Clothed with humanity, listen to this. God's son gave his body to be the sin offering, so that God could once and for all condemn the guilt and power of sin. I want to pause right here real quick just to, just to throw this out for you. Jesus died to condemn something and it was not you. He, listen, died to condemn the guilt and the power of the sin that we face and deal with. He didn't die to condemn you of your sin. He died to condemn the guilt associated with your sin that keeps telling you I'm not good enough and God's don't love me and this and that and all these things. He died to condemn that and he died to condemn the power that holds you to that. Okay, they ain't gonna talk to me today. Okay, that's all right. That's all right. Once for all, Condemn the guilt and the power of sin. So listen to this, number four. So, at, so now every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living his life where? Where? Yes. Not down the street. In us. Not in the pastor and the, the church leaders. In us. Not just on Sunday morning. In us. And we are free to live, not according to our flesh, but by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. Those who are motivated, motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. That's a word right there. What's motivating you? What are you seeking after? Are you trying to benefit yourself? Are you seeking after a move of God? Oh, man, I'm trying to get to the scripture without preaching every five minutes, all right? Uh, for the sense and reason of the flesh is death, but the mindset controlled by the spirit finds life and peace. In fact, the mindset focused on the flesh 
fights God's plan and refuses to submit to his direction because it cannot. For no matter how hard they trade, God finds no pleasure with those who are controlled by the flesh. No matter how hard you try, if your master is your flesh, he finds no pleasure. That's a strong word. But when the spirit of Christ empowers you, you are not dominated by the flesh, but by the spirit. And if you are not joined to the spirit of the anointed one, you are not of him. Now Christ lives in you, his life in you. And even though your body may be dead because of the effects of sin, his life-giving spirit imparts life to you because you are fully what? What is that word? You are fully accepted by God. Yes, God raised Jesus to life. And since the God's spirit of resurrection lives in you, he will also raise your dying body to life by the same spirit that breathes life into you. Uh-huh. For when you... Oh, listen. So then verse 12 says, this, So then, beloved ones, the flesh now has no claims on us at all. And we have no further obligation to live in obedience to it. Amen. You are not obligated to live according to your fleshly desires. You don't have to. Amen. You can walk in power of the Holy Spirit and overcome. For when you were uh, lived by controlled by the flesh, you are about to die. But if the life of the Spirit puts to death the corrupt ways of the flesh, then when we taste, uh, it puts to death the corrupt ways of the flesh when we taste this abundant life. The mature children of God, mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. One of the things we've been praying for for this church this year is maturity. Amen. Hallelujah. Maturity is not easy sometimes. Come on. But mature children of God are moved by the impulses, the Bible says the impulses of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. I like the way one translation says, it said, those who are called the sons of God are led by the Holy Spirit. Somebody say led. Led by the Holy Spirit. Oh, we're almost done. 15. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty. Leading you back into fear of never being good enough. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty. Leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full, accept, full acceptance. Enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never, somebody say never, feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirit joins him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. And since we are his true children, we qualify to share in all his treasure. For indeed, we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we will also inherit all that he is all that, and all that he has. We will experience being co-glorified with him, provided that we accept his suffering as our own. I am convinced in this last thing. I am convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory 
that is about to be unveiled within us. That was a lot of reading, but that's some good reading. Amen? Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to say. I pray you speak to me in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text today comes from Romans chapter 8. Paul was called by God to bring Christianity to the Gentile world and to establish churches for worship and ministry. Rome was the capital of the Gentile world and a church had developed there. Uh, Paul had a strategic plan and he knew the value of strengthening um, the, the believers there and he did it through laying solid doctrinal statements. Okay? Most of what you find in Romans is very doctrinal statements. He's dealing with you know, sin issues and all kinds of stuff and you know, all the things. A lot of times we don't like to, sometimes we don't like to read Romans. You know what I mean? Like, uh, what's that when, when I was growing up, we used to read Romans chapter 12 all the time. Y'all know Romans 12? But present yourself as a living sacrifice, whatever, brother. brother. We, that was a workspace scripture right there. there you never know. I remember thinking all the time I had to present myself as a living sacrifice. Okay? And if I did anything wrong, God was just, nah, you're going to hell, bro. I grew up, I'm not kidding you, going to church every week, getting saved every week. Ran to the altar every week because I felt like, or not even felt like, I was literally taught that my sin put Jesus back on the cross. Every time I sinned, this is what was said to me, you nail him to the cross. Paul uses Romans to really write some theological, doctrinal statements. You got to understand the people in Rome are facing a lot. They're trying to figure out a lot. They were not the chosen people for most of them, right? These are the Gentiles. They are. They didn't grow up without you know all the Torah, all all the things. They, I'm not saying they didn't know, but, but there was a lot of hurdles to the gospel for people in Rome. Amen? And so he's writing to these people. He wants to uh, strengthen the body of believers by laying a strong doctrinal foundation. And while Paul is doing this, he was continually challenged by the Jews regarding the gospel of Christ and the law of Moses. All right? So Paul wants to clear up any confusion by creating some strong doctrinal statements in, his, in this book. And he addresses the same issues as he does in other books. He talks about false doctrine, false teachers, troublemakers who will stir up dissension in the church. Come on, somebody. Paul also is writing, as he puts it, to all of God's beloved in Rome. Somebody say, oh, the Jews took issue with this. <laughs> Wait a minute, Paul. What are you doing? We are the chosen people. You don't get the right to them. They don't need to hear the gospel. 
Come on, somebody. They took issue with this, and they continually challenged him about the gospel of Jesus Christ versus the law of Moses. Somebody say continually. Throughout the book of Romans, it is clear that the, in the church in Romans, there were many Jews and Gentiles. There were many differing views on the gospel. I want us to put this in context. There were many backgrounds and experiences and lots of opportunities to be at dissension with one another. Lots of opportunities to be in disagreement with one another. There was plenty of reason for people to have a barrier to church. Amen? Uh, the reformer Martin Luther stated that this chapter, chapter 8 of Romans, is where Paul comforts fighters. Right? He comforts these fighters that are involved in an internal struggle, an eternal battle between spirit and flesh. Chapter 8 is on the heels of chapter 7. If you know anything about chapter 7, Paul is essentially having this conversation. It's almost like he's inviting us to his, whole, his, his own personal struggle on paper. 7, one of the most beautiful scriptures is 724. He says, the thing I don't want to do, I do and the stuff, you know, I'll, the stuff that I do want to do, I, that, I, that I should do, I don't do. The stuff I don't want to do, I end up doing. What am I, who can free me from this body of death? It's, it's, it's like beautiful poetry. He's inviting us into an internal struggle and battle that I think we can all relate to. Some of us, and many of us, and I do it myself, we've been in church for a very long time. Somebody say long time. Here's how you say the old church, I've been running for Jesus for a long time, and I ain't tired yet. Most of us is tired, but we just lied to me, ain't tired yet. Uh-huh. And, 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 and a lot of us have spent a lot of time around church and been around church and around people in the church and around ministry and all. And, and it's, it's, it's exhausting. It wears you out. It's all kinds of stuff. And here's the reality. Listen to me. Listen to me. Many of us have never had a real conversation about the internal battle we face between spirit and flesh. And I think, I think, can I tell you what I think it is? I think it's because we rather try to look spiritual than admit we got some issues. Well, the Bible says I'm a son of God and, and this and that. Yeah, he says you're a son of God, but it's, listen, understanding that you are a son of God means you understand that you are fully accepted as a child. Listen to this. Without 
conditions. Meaning, oh well, I'm a child of God. Doesn't mean you get it always. You always get it right, and you're perfect, and you do everything, and you you cross every T, you dot every I. It doesn't mean that you have it all together. It means you are fully accepted. Child of God, being a son of God, a daughter of God, has nothing to do with your actions. All to do with who you are. Amen. Imagine for a moment if I told my children, come on, we watched that dad video, right? Everybody saw that, right? That thing took a hard turn. Every time I watch it, I cry. I'm like, dang. I knew it was coming this time. <laughs> because you hear those things. You, you, you imagine as a father, me telling my child, you know, got to do this, do that, do that. And if you don't, guess what? I don't know if you're a son today. I don't know if you're a son. You're not really my son if you don't do this. You're not really my daughter if you don't do this. Can I tell you something? Any relationship that's based in transaction is not a relationship. In the business world, we call that a business deal. Come on. If it's only transaction, there's no relational element to it. Amen. And many of us have grew up, we grew up, and a lot of times with our friends, our family, with our father, with our mother, all these different things, everything was transactional. Do this and I'll do that. Do this and I'll do that. Do this and I'll tell you that you're good. Come on. Act up, it's negative transaction. Do something good, it's positive transaction. Most of our relationships have been like ATMs. We're withdrawing. Come on. Most of the time we're drawing. <laughs> Amen. But, but here's the thing. And we approach God with the same thing. We approach God and we think that God wants a relationship with us that's based on transaction. It's not that way. Can I, can, I, can I say something that will free you for a moment? Ain't nothing you can do that will make God more happy or pleased with you. Amen. Ain't nothing you can say. Ain't nothing you can think that will make God love you more. You are fully, 100% loved unconditionally. You are God's. He is yours. Amen. Case is closed. I need you to be free from this, this mentality of transaction with God. Well, I, hmm, I was going to say something. I was going to say, uh, you know, because, you know, there's a religious faith group that does that. You may not be Christian as much as you think you are. If everything you do is based on transactions with God. Well, you know, I did this with God, then he's going to bless me. 
I did this with God, he's going to bless me. Or I didn't do this with God, so maybe that's why I'm struggling and having this issue right now. And maybe that's why my life don't seem blessed. And maybe because I didn't give enough money this week, or I didn't do this, or I didn't pray this week, and I didn't do that. And that's why I'm going through the storm. This God, let me tell you something. That is not the Bible. That is not scripture. It is not of the Lord. You need to let that go. That is a mindset based in an orphan mentality. God has fully accepted you. He wants nothing from you. He don't need nothing from you. Ain't, you ain't got nothing out for him. The children of Israel, God wanted to give, have a covenant with them just like we have today, the new covenant. Okay? He wanted to have the same kind of covenant with them. They wanted transactional covenant. They wanted a God they could measure up in results. They wanted a God that they could look at their neighbor and say, I know what you didn't do. They needed a God that they could put in a table to measure. God was like, no, 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 no. That's, that's not what I want. But they kept begging and they kept begging. And you know what God did? He gave the people what they wanted. He gave them what they wanted. They did, they, he wanted not, he didn't want the ten. Listen, God never intended for the Ten Commandments to be a thing. I'm going to say that for the religious folk that's watching. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. <laughs> My name is Pastor Fred. I pastor a church right here in Greenville, South Carolina. Taylor, South Carolina, right Reverend Fred Giles. On the front of my car, it says, Bishop, if you want to call me, whatever it is. I'm just kidding. I'm just going to tell you that God's original intent was never for the Ten Commandments. God's original intent was never for the law. But you know what man wanted? We needed something to measure ourselves by. We needed a, a measuring stick. We needed something so that we could say, I'm good or I'm bad. We needed something. Come on, listen. Listen. The lie, the tree, the, the lie in the Bible, I mean, the, the, the tree in the garden was not a tree. It was good and evil. It was a tree of measurement. It was a tree of understanding what We needed something to measure ourselves by. And so now we get down to, you know, we, we, you know, they eat the apple, whatever it is, mango, whatever, the passion fruit, whatever. I don't know what it is, okay? I'm going to say it was a clementine. <laughs> I like clementine, so I'm just going to say, I'm going to insert clementine. Adam ate a clementine. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Or he made, what, what's the apple I like? What's the, Honeycrisp apple. There it is. Hallelujah. We say apple. You know how many apples there is? Had to be a honeycrisp apple. Come on. Or we just say it was sour. Whatever it was. Adam ate whatever he wasn't supposed to eat, but it was a representation of now knowing good and evil. And then we move on to the law, and guess what man is asking for? Something to measure 
our good and our evil. God's intent was never for the law to be the thing that measured us. And so we get into Romans and Romans is you know, there's so much going on in Romans. And there is now Jesus, you know, Jesus died and, and, and the church is moving and the things are advancing and stuff is going down and it's moving and it's moving. And Paul starts writing this the, these theological statements and he gets to Romans 8. Now listen, Romans 7, as I told you earlier, it was a beautiful, beautiful picture of Paul sharing with us his own internal battle with himself, with spirit and flesh. I don't know about y'all, but I, I can relate to Romans chapter 7 like nobody's business. Come on, somebody. There are moments in my life when my internal battle is something. I'm like, God, are you going to ever deliver me? Because listen, Lord, I know that person cut me off in traffic, and I just said about 10 million cuss words in my head in 30 seconds. Come on, somebody. I need you to... Yep. Oh, y'all holy, y'all holy. Come on, listen. I need you to deliver me, Lord. Are you going to, who can do this? Who can take it? God, I know my flesh. My flesh is terrible. My flesh is terrible, God. I am impatient. Sometimes I am, I look down my nose at people and I say mean, hurtful things to my wife and I say mean things to my children and I'm impatient and I struggle. Listen, y'all, okay, can I be real with y'all? Y'all ain't going to let me be real? If you ain't going to let me be real, this might not be the church for you because I'm going to be vulnerable and tell you the truth. I don't always get it right. And sometimes I'm like, Lord, are you going to ever deliver? Can you deliver me? Can you actually deliver me? Self-doubt, self-guilt. I always find myself falling back into dark and deep depression there at times. And, 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 and you know, listen, I'm not calling it a sin issue, but I, it's, it's a reality of where I struggle because I know what the Bible says about me, but I know I tend to believe what I say about me and what society says about me and what my pastor said about me. And I tend to believe all these things when the Word of God says something totally different. And I say to myself, Lord, will you ever deliver me from these mindsets? Can you do this? Is this even possible? Is there even a day where I will experience freedom? It's likeness unto the struggle that Paul is talking about in chapter 7. God, I'm serving you. And stuff seems to always fall apart. And stuff don't seem to go right. And I thought, what is the what in the, what in the world is going on? I'm struggling. And Paul is so open with it. You need to go read chapter 7. You never read chapter 7. He's so vivid and so vulnerable. He's, it's a struggle. And you know what he's doing? He's giving voice to the struggle that all the people in that region were facing. Especially the Jews. Especially the Jews. Especially the people who are called and promised people. He, he's giving voice and reason. He's saying, listen guys, I know the struggle. The struggle is real. Somebody say it's real. I don't get it right. I know. And Paul gives voice to this in chapter 7. But then he gets over 
said, chapter 8. In chapter 7, listen, listen, these chapters run together. You got to understand this. He ain't just, it ain't just like, oh, you know. So he's talking, he gets to chapter 8, he says, guess what, guys? Because of Jesus, this internal battle that I'm having, essentially this case that's before me, where I'm trying to figure out if I'm holy or not, if I'm in my flesh or in my spirit, if I'm a if I'm saved or not saved, guess what? Because of Jesus. So now the case is closed. Somebody say, so now the case is closed. Listen, this ain't even my notes, but I need somebody, I need you to lay hands on your head and declare this over yourself. So now the case is closed. I need you to hear me. I need you to hear me. There is no open case over your life. There is no debate. You ain't going to court anymore. You don't have to stand in, in, in the place of judgment where the enemy, uh, the accuser of the brethren, which is the law, by the way, when the enemy sits there and accuses you of all your wrongdoing. Guess what? That was the devil. That was the law. <laughs> oh, my God. Y'all don't even want to stay. Y'all ain't going to preach with me today. We have gotten so far away from understanding that the word teaches us over and over that the accuser of the brethren was the It was the law. It was the law, baby. And the law keeps telling you that you're not good enough because of your sin issue. It tells you that you're not good enough because you did that. Is you're not good enough because of the decision you made 25 years ago that has nothing to do with your life now. Keeps popping up every time you, you start advancing towards what God's called you to do. Then something goes, uh-uh, uh-uh, no, no, no. Remember 25 years ago, you said this and you, you did this, you did that. Uh-uh, the devil's a lie. You got to learn how to shut that stuff down. I declare with you right now that the case is closed. There is no condemnation. I wrote this down. I'll say this. You don't have to live in fear any longer because you are not guilty. Somebody say not guilty. Somebody say it's been signed. Oh, can we get into signed, sealed, delivered? It's been signed. The case is closed. Jesus put his John Hancock on. Come on, somebody. Is that what they they named the person? Yes, yes. He put his Jesus, Jesus Christ on. Okay, he's the original signature guy. So, okay, we go, huh? (laughs) Jesus, Jesus, Jesus did that. Okay. He signed the deal. It is over. It is finished. You are not guilty. There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. If there is something condemning you, guess what? It's not in Christ Jesus. You don't have to live in fear any longer because you are not guilty. Say this with me. Say, I am good enough. Say it loud. I need you to say it like a declaration. Say, I am good enough because he is good enough. You are no longer guilty of your sin. Well, Fred, that sounds, that just sounds like way, that don't sound like what I hear normally in church. 
because you're going to the wrong church, but that's, that's my problem. Okay? I'm sorry. I mean, did I say that? Oh, no, no, the gospel is this, that you can do nothing to save yourself. He did the work. And guess what? His forgiveness is not just for your past sins. Oh, you know, because most of the churches are talking about you getting forgiveness for what you did. Forgetting that you're forgiven for what you're doing. And you're already forgiven for what you're going to do. Well, Fred, that just sounds too free. Well, what is free? I'm sorry, if Jesus offers freedom, shouldn't it be too free? Or do you want Jesus' freedom to match up with your idea of freedom? Because if Jesus' idea of freedom has to match up with our idea of freedom, then he may not be godly for us. Oh, my word. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got a chip on my shoulder today. Because we keep preaching the gospel that's solely based on what we think God is. God ain't God enough for us. So we got to make ourselves bigger than God. Somebody say it's sign. It ain't your signature either. It's God's signature. You didn't die on the cross. He died on the cross. You didn't pay a price. He paid the price. You didn't get nailed to a tree. He got nailed to a tree. You didn't get nails in your hands and feet. He got nails in his hands. You didn't get pierced in your side. He got pierced in his side. You didn't do anything but receive what he did for you. We have got to get back to the very basics of the gospel. This is a work that was done for us. Jesus loved the entire world and he gave us only son. We got so far away from that scripture. But Jesus loved, yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, if we rewrote the Bible today, we'd probably write John 3.16 like Jesus Love some of the world. Jesus loved the whole world to the month of June. You catch what I'm saying? <laughs> Jesus loved all the Christian people who get it right. Jesus loved all the Christian people who didn't celebrate Black Lives Matter. Jesus loved all the Christian straight people. That's what we were writing as. And the Bible is very clear that Jesus loved the whole. What is whole? Who is whole? Everybody. And Jesus, did, he didn't put an ear mark on it. He didn't put an ear mark on the gospel. You know, well, you know down the road, there's going to be some crazy folk in the U.S., so I'm going to. I don't know if I'm going to do anything for them. Amen? Jesus loved the entire world, so he gave his own son. Are you here? Say this with me. Say, I am in him, and he is in me. You don't have to live in fear anymore. You're not guilty. What's this? 
Bless God. Amen. Oh, look at that. Encouragement, Bob. Well, you should have made me preach better. I am in him. He is in. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I said it right. And he is in me. Yes. You don't have to live in fear. Listen, some of us are not doing what God called us to do because we are so afraid that people are going to find out about our past. I don't do that. I don't want nobody to know, but I was. Come on. Y'all better talk to first lady on that. She got a hairy past, okay? Bless the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, girl, stop telling me stories. I don't, I mean, I, whew, I just feel extra holy when she started talking to me like, oh my God, I was saved. The Lord kept me. I don't know what he did. I'm just kidding. I love her. Though. We always joke about that. We always joke about stuff and I'm not going to tell you what I say to her every time. So I'll leave that. I'll leave that to to between us, amen? <laughs> you don't have to live in fear any longer because you're not guilty. Somebody, you're not guilty. Your past no longer defines you. You are not defined by your past faults, failures, listeners, or victories. Some of us are still stuck at the place of the last revival. Hoping that God moves like he did before. And we say, I see you move. You move on my I love that song. Listen, listen. I love that song. But that should not be your mindset. All the time. You can't ever get past the move of God to embrace what God is doing now. Guess what? You're going to always be in a cycle and a struggle. Because you'll never see the hand of God move like he can for you right now. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It came out. It came. Yes. Love this. Listen. The, the, the next thing is this. You don't have to live in fear any longer because you are not an orphan. Somebody say, I'm not an orphan. Christ has sealed the deal. He signed it and then he sealed it. Somebody say, He sealed it. He signed it when he died on the cross. Listen to this He sealed it when he got up. Mm. I'm about to put my preacher voice on because <laughs> y'all don't understand. An orphan is a person whose parents have died, one or the other or both. Which means you live absent of the voice of a father or a mother because, listen now, they have died and so we feel orphaned and we think we are alone. But the Bible is very clear that Jesus died on the cross, but he did not stay in the grave. I want you to understand something. 
we have a God who is alive and well. Okay, okay, I'm going to try this one. We have a father in heaven who's sitting on a throne right now, alive and well, working on our behalf, watching over our life, working in our life. You don't have a God who's dead. You have a real God. Somebody say a real God. A personal God. A faithful God. A true God. A, 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 a God that wants to be with you. You are not an orphan because you are not alone. Your father is alive and well. Here's, a, here's another definition of orphan. And I love this. Listen, listen. Another definition of an orphan is one who is deprived of protection or advantage. Say this with me. Say, I am fully accepted and fully protected. You have a father who's protecting you. The Bible says that he watches over us. He, 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 he speaks it. Listen, he, he sends his word to perform it. He watches over that word. And he watches it and he, he takes care of it. He's watching over you, protecting you. Listen, guess what? You have an advantage with the God that you serve because the Bible says, oh my Lord, <laughs> Come on now. Listen, we have not because we ask not. We don't get opportunities because we don't ask for them. But when you make your request known to the Lord, he opens doors. It's very evident too in Romans chapter 8, especially in verse 38. Listen, you have an advantage. Guess what that advantage is? Whatever is not working out for you, God is still working it out for your good. Guess what? It won't end up bad for you. It's always going to end up good. Fred, that sounds like optimism. No, that's the gospel. It may not be good at first. It may not be good in the moment. It may take 25 years for good to come in, but guarantee you good will show up on your doorstep and be like, hey, hey, guess what? Guess what? Guess what? Guess what? Good's in the house, because I came to tell you that I serve a God who's always working things out for my good. Well, you know, it's, it's, just, it's not good right now. I know. I know. I know. But the deal is signed. And it's sealed. You are a beloved child of God. He calls you son. He calls you daughter. The deal is signed. There is no going back and forth. He ain't looking over and trying to figure out how to get out of the deal because of whatever you did. No, he signed it. With his blood, he paid the price on the cross. It is done. It is finished. So if it's signed over your life, if the deal is done, if it is finished, if it is done, all done. Somebody say done. Guess what? It's always working in your favor. 
It's always working out for your good. I, I'm having a hard time believing that. I know. Let me explain it to you this way. When you buy a house, you sign the deal. Amen. Guess what? That deal in that house is yours. From the moment you sign the paper, guess what they put on the deed? And when they put your name on the deed, that house is yours. When you're ready to sell it, you can sell it. If you want to go fix it up, you can fix it up. If you want to tear it down and move it, I mean, you're going to have to go get some permits and stuff. But you got, you got the right and the ownership because it's been signed. The deal has been done. An exchange has been made. What are you trying to say, Fred? I'm saying you are the house. And Jesus is the homeowner. And he takes care of his house. Amen. So if the house has a roof leak, guess what? The roof leak going to get fixed. It may take a couple of weeks. <laughs> oh, come on, somebody. Oh, 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 y'all still with me on the house analogy? Come on. Well, my roof leak been happening for 25 years. Guess what? God's still going to fix that thing because he works everything out. For your good. Somebody say it's sealed. I, as a homeowner, don't expect anybody in this room to fix a problem with my house. I don't expect you to call nobody on my behalf and try to fix it. I don't expect anything because guess what? If it's my problem, it's my problem. Amen. Imagine if I had a roof leak and I called Richie and said, Richie, man, my, my roof leaking. He'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> but imagine if my expectation was that he would do something about it. Right? He would do something about it. Okay, okay, all right. So two things. He, won't, he doesn't need to fix my roof leak. I fix my own roof leak. Amen. Because I'm the homeowner. Come on, God. Amen. Hallelujah. You are not the homeowner. You are the home. And Jesus is the homeowner. So if the roof is leaking, guess who's going to fix the roof leak? Jesus. And he ain't going to call you. I ain't never once in my life seen a house fix itself. Anybody? Richard been working on a house. Did you show up at the house? It's like, floor's done. You good, bro? No. The picture here, though, is that you are not the homeowner or the worker. You are the house. You have been built to be a dwelling place for the Lord. My Lord. You've been built to be a dwelling place for the Lord. And when he dwells there, he takes care of the house. 
We could, but we've been having dysfunctional Christianity because we are houses trying to fix the house. That's some good preaching right there. That's a good preacher. Come on, somebody. Last thing is, you don't have to live in fear any longer because you are not alone. You are not alone. Somebody say, I'm not alone. Not only did he sign the deal, Come on now. He signed the deal on the cross. When he died on the cross, he signed the deal. When he raised from the dead, he sealed the deal. Amen? And the Bible says this. This is what I love. It says he ascended and sat on the right hand of his father. Jesus died raised and rested. Ooh, boy, boy. He died, raised, and rested. Can I give you some more scripture? He says, when he ascended, we also ascended with him. And now, we're seated in heavenly places. What's the follow? Friend, I'm still on earth. According to the word, in God's eyes, you're seated next to him. According to the word, when God is looking for you, he looks at Jesus. <laughs> when God wants to bless you, he turns to Jesus. When God's looking at your life, he sees Jesus. Never once has the Bible said that God has gotten up. Hallelujah, you want victory. Hallelujah, you want it all for me. Definitely hold you down. You are the risen king. Seated in that just We didn't add, you got up just for me. <laughs> no, we left it seated in majesty. Because guess where he at? Still seated in majesty. Guess where we are? Still seated in heavenly places. Guess where we are? Still seated with the Lord you are not alone so through the death on the cross the deal was signed through the resurrection it was sealed through his rest we are delivered this is the way I like to say it God carved a pathway of deliverance by sitting down. Oh, can I can I tell you what I'm trying to say here? Are you ready? 
ready to hear this? He was demonstrating to you that your deliverance has nothing to do with you. He demonstrated to us, if you want to go free, take a seat. If you want to experience freedom in Christ, sit down. If you want to experience a free, the, 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 the life that God has for you, take a seat. If you want to experience what God can do for your life, that'll change your life forever, he demonstrated what it, what it takes next. See, we died with him. We were raised with him. And now we're seated in heavenly places with him. Guess what he's saying to us? You need to rest. Your deliverance will not come through works. It will not come through your faith, your, your work. It will not come through the sweat of your brow. It will not come through all the things that you think you can do to get right for God. It comes through resting in the finished work of the cross. Somebody say rest. Rest. Sit down. Fred, this sounds like the way you ended the message last week. I'm going to keep ending them like this because we're going to have to get it one day. We got to learn how to sit down and rest. I'm strong. I struggle with it myself. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. Come on. I can pray with the Lord Jesus. Help me rest, Jesus. trying to participate in our own deliverance. We keep trying to show up for our own deliverance and doing our own deliverance. The Bible is very clear. You don't get to participate in the work of the cross. It is finished. You walk in it. You walk in confidence knowing that he's done the work. You walk in confidence knowing that he finished the work. You walk in confidence knowing that your life has been made for by the blood of Jesus on the cross. That it's already done. It's already settled. Listen, you walk in confidence knowing that you are good enough because God is good enough. You walk in confidence knowing that you are uh, uh, more than enough because God is more than enough. You walk in confidence knowing that you are a child of the, of the king. You, you got to hear me. I need you to understand something. You keep dealing with these things in your head and keep saying over and over, I'm not good enough. I'll never be good enough. I'll never make it to that level. I'll never be able to preach like that. I'll never be able to say it like that. I want you to hear these words from the Heavenly Father. You are my beloved child in whom I love. I am well pleased. There's nothing I want for you. I want you to know that you are God's child. The sign is sealed, is delivered. I need you to hear me clearly. There's nothing else you need to do. Amen, King. Willie. Sign sealed. Sign sealed. Delivered. Church, can I just can I just be? I felt a burden on my heart for all of us, especially the last few months. I have just watched the enemy playing in our minds, keep trying over and over, hitting us with the one, two, not good enough, not good enough. Oh, you think you got it together? 
Let me remind you what you did. Let me remind you how you feel. Let me tell you so, so you can back back. Listen, the enemy knows this. Listen, he knows this. That he, if, if he can keep you from, all, from ever stepping fully into what God has said, he knows that he'll have you. And a lot of us keep getting so close, but then the enemy's like, no, 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 come on, let me tell you about this. Let me remind you. The enemy, I want you to hear me, it's not the devil, it's the law. It's religion. It is a religious mindset that keeps telling you that you are not good enough. You are not what God purposed you to be. And I'm here to break these chains of religion off you and let you know that you are God's beloved. You are a child of the King. Are you hearing me? time to lay down works. It's time to lay down works. It's time to lay down works. It's time to lay down works. I'm going to keep saying it. It's time to lay down works. It's time to lay down your own works. It's time to lay down your own self-awareness of what you think you should be doing for God and you need to embrace the fact that God has done no work. Are you here? It's not. It's not. Hold on, please hold. It's not based on what you do. I felt this burden. I feel like God just wanted to stay God for me with this. And I feel like it's for this moment. I felt the burden that we keep getting close to the things of God and we back up. As the enemy keeps saying, remember, you're not good enough. And I want to make a declaration in this atmosphere environment right here, right now. You belong to God. I feel this strongly, man. I don't know who I feel this strongly. And I don't know how many of us are struggling with this and how many of us will, will be honest and be real with this. But I, I really want you to be, be real honest with me in this moment. Because if you are struggling with this, you keep fighting the enemy in your head over and over. The enemy keeps attacking your mind and he keeps coming at you, telling you over and over what you messed up, how you done, how you're not good enough, how you dropped the ball, how you'll never be this, how you'll never be this. It sounds like an abusive father. It sounds like an abusive husband. It sounds like an abusive relationship. Keeps reminding you over and over and trying to keep you and suppress you and push you down and down and further and further to you, you dissolve and don't even remember who you are but I'm here to let you know that Jesus is here to set the captives free he's here to set the captives free you are no longer Yes, you may have failed the first time. 
but you want your failure. Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in.